Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In our numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I said last week, with all the focus on this uh, congresswoman who I don't know, her name is Green, whether she had the QAnon Association or not, I have no idea. But Washington wants her out. The media want her out, the Democrats want her out, the Republican establishment wants her out. I have never seen this kind of an organized, concentrated force throughout the Washington, D.C. complex of forces focused on Ilhan Omar. I said it last week. Ilhan Omar, Talib Rashid, Rashid Talib, AOC. These are individuals who have said horrific things, not before they were elected, although they did that too, but when they were elected. That is, while they were public officials. While they were public officials. Now the Democrat Party circled the wagons around Omar, who's an anti-Semite of long standing. They circled the wagon around Talib, an anti-Semite of long standing. How about their comments? causing deep wounds to many. When Nancy Pelosi called our federal law enforcement stormtroopers, that was pretty hurtful, don't you think, ladies and gentlemen? When James Clyburn did the same, I think that was problematic. So I'm not a special pleader for Ms. Green. I don't know anything about her, quite frankly. There's other things to do. But I don't remember all the huddling with the Speaker of the House 
and Majority Leader Stempy Hoyer of the Democrats sitting down with Omar to decide her fate. I don't remember the Democrat caucus coming together to decide her fate. I remember them circling the wagons, protecting this anti-Semitic reprobate, changing the language in a resolution to water it down, to scattershoot, and never mentioned her name. Not once. And therein is the difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. I don't remember Mitch McConnell taking off on Omar. Do you? I remember Donald Trump doing it. And when he did it, he was attacked for attacking a woman of color. You remember that? So I don't sit here and listen to the moral preening of Washington, D.C., which is a joke. They have no morality. Now, Brian Sicknick has been, this poor gentleman who passed away, Capitol Hill police officer, sitting in state, or lying in state, in the Capitol building, at the direction of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. So one month, they're calling federal law enforcement stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. And now, Mr. Sitnik, poor Mr. Sitnik, is lying in state. Now, there's something very interesting that was, believe it or not, believe it or not, at CNN by Evan Perez, David Shortell, and Whitney Wilde. I have not seen this picked up by any other so-called news organizations. Maybe they are, but I haven't seen them. Now, I want you to listen to this. This came out last night, or was updated last night after I was on the air, 9.56 p.m. Eastern Time. By the way, I'll be on Hannity tonight on Fox at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope you'll join us there. I'll see you then. Investigators, CNN here, are struggling to build a federal murder case regarding fallen U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who's lying in state, vexed by a lack of evidence that could prove someone caused his death as he defended the Capitol during last month's insurrection. What? I thought he was hit over the head with a uh, fire extinguisher, Mr. Producer. Isn't that what we've heard? I've heard it in the media over and over again. Authorities have reviewed video and photographs that show Sicknick engaging with rioters amid the siege, but have yet to identify a moment in which he suffered his fatal injuries, law enforcement officials familiar with the matter said. Soon after Sicknick died on January 7, prosecutors in Washington opened a federal murder investigation, dedicating a team inside the U.S. Attorney's Office to build out a case, authorities have said. And they had people, including uh, from uh, the uh, medical examiner's office, the findings from an autopsy that were conducted have not been made public. In a statement the day after the insurrection, they call this an insurrection, okay? Let's just stop. It was not an insurrection. We know what an insurrection is. There was an insurrection in Burma. 
with the full force of the military in Burma overthrew the government there. Okay? This was not an insurrection, but you're going to hear that word repeated in here. You're going to hear it ingrained in all news reports from today and yesterday going forward. Because they want you to believe that Donald Trump and his supporters were involved in an insurrection. The people who attacked the Capitol building were thugs, are criminals, are being tracked down and prosecuted, as they should be. But that was no insurrection. That's right, I said it. The attack on the White House wasn't said to be an insurrection. The attack on our courthouses, our courthouse in Portland, that wasn't said to be an insurrection. But they insist this is an insurrection, and it was incited by the president. It's a lie. Sicknick is lying in honor at the Capitol building. Congressional leaders announced late last week bestowing on him a sacred tribute that's typically reserved for dead American political leaders, writes CNN. In Sicknick's case, it's still not known publicly what caused him to collapse the night of the insurrection. Findings from from a medical examiner's review have not yet been released, and authorities have not made any announcements about the ongoing process. I'm just reading what's here in CNN. We all know whatever CNN reports has to be accurate. According to one law enforcement official, medical examiners did not find signs that the officer sustained any blunt force trauma. So investigators believe that early reports that he was fatally struck by a fire extinguisher are not true. Earlier reports, it's endless reports. One possibility being considered by investigators is that Sicknick became ill after interacting with a chemical irritant like pepper spray or bear spray that was deployed in the crowd. But investigators reviewing video of the officer's time around the Capitol haven't been able to confirm that in in tape that has been recovered so far, the official said. The case could also be complicated if Sicknick had a pre-existing medical condition. It could not be learned if he did. A spokeswoman for the U.S. Capitol Police declined to comment for this story, citing the ongoing investigation. Well, I'm just reading from CNN. Uh, It's really quite remarkable, this story, that I saw late last night. As part of the investigation into the riots, prosecutors have charged several with assault against a federal officer stemming from violent episodes at the Capitol, separate from the one involving Sicknick. In court documents, FBI agents have laid out elements of the attacks faced by officers in alarming detail. More than 100 police officers were injured in the melee, including at least 15 officers who required hospitalization, according to court documents. More than 100 officers were injured. 15 required hospitalization. Does that sound like people are standing there listening to the President of the United States, then break away after the speech and charge the Capitol building and just happen to have helmets and gas masks and hammers and all other kinds of stuff? Does that make sense to anybody? Sicknick's case, however, will be without resolution as he lies in state. And uh, we are all united in uh, 
and the deepest sympathy for his family and, and his passing. Which is very, very, very sad. Other people passed away that day too. To my knowledge, and I could be wrong about this, Mr. Producer, only one of them as a result of, as far as we know right now, as a result of uh, being shot. And that was the 14-year veteran who was uh, in the Capitol building where she should not have been, but she was unarmed. Unarmed. An unarmed veteran. You know, Mr. Producer, you could see under different circumstances, a different place, different background, you'd have completely different reporting on this, wouldn't you? And you'd have a completely different reaction. It's terrible what happened to the Capitol building. That's why it's very, very important that people have positions of public prominence, whether it's in government or broadcasters or whomever they are, be responsible and reject all violence. But that's not what we have in this country. We now have some kind of a spectrum of violence that is permitted, certain types of violence not permitted. It depends on the ideology. It depends on the, uh, the, the, uh, the victims. It depends on the perpetrators. It just depends, right? Can't just have a moral code against violence, apparently. But I do and you do. But I was shocked to read this. Given all the reporting that's come before. That Officer Sicknick was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher that resulted in his death. This is why we wait for facts. Maybe it was something like that. But this is why we wait for facts. Just like two Sundays ago we learned about all the preparation that took place. With some of these goons prior to there even being a protest, let alone the president's speech. I'm sure none of this will be relevant at the unconstitutional rogue impeachment trial in the Senate, which has no jurisdiction to do anything. But I'm sure they'll do their damnness to cover up the information that not just demonstrates and emphasizes that the president didn't incite. But the vast majority of people who attended this event were nonviolent. They will do their best to cover that up. Because this isn't a court of law, it's not a court of justice. It's a bunch of rabid Democrats and never Trumpers getting together to try and do something they have no power to do. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. 
We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. When a far left, female-led domestic terrorism group bombed the U.S. Capitol. What happened to the leaders of that movement? I talked about this some days ago. Over at Front Page magazine, Lloyd Billingsley reminds us. He reminds us what took place on the evening of November 7, 1983, which I will discuss with you after the break. He reminds us that Bill Clinton commuted the sentences of the two leading offenders. I reminded you that that was at the prodding of Gerald Nadler and the Democrat Party. Capitol Hill bombers. You see, the problem we have is context and history. If the Democrat Party actually opposed violence, why did they wait until now to say so? Why did their presidents commute the sentences of and give full pardons to domestic terrorists? President Trump didn't pardon a single individual in advance who attacked the Capitol building. President Trump didn't commute the sentence or give a pardon to a single terrorist, period. Bill Clinton handed out pardons like lollipops to FALN terrorists, except the head terrorist, because he refused to show any form any form of apology whatsoever. Comes Barack Obama, Barack Obama pardons him. Pretty shocking, don't you think, ladies and gentlemen? Eric Holder was Deputy Attorney General at the time that Clinton did what he did and helped them do what he did. And Eric Holder was also quite supportive of the pardon that the head of the FALN, the most radical of the radicals, received. So I want to delve into this briefly upon our return. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. 
We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. The date was November 7, 1983. Ronald Reagan was president. The Republicans controlled the Senate. And they had working control over the House. Back then, there were a significant number of so-called moderates. Quote, listen carefully, I'm only going to tell you this one time, unquote, a caller from the Armed Resistance Unit told the operator at the Capitol switchboard, there is a bomb in the Capitol building, it will go off in five minutes, evacuate the building. A Senate document, bomb explodes in Capitol, describes what happened. The caller warned that, quote, a bomb had been placed near the chamber in retaliation for recent U.S. military involvement in Grenada and Lebanon. At 10.58 p.m., quote, a thunderous explosion tore through the second floor of the Capitol's north wing, unquote. The device, hidden under a bench at the eastern end of the corridor outside the Senate chamber, blew off the door to the office of Democratic leader Robert C. Byrd. The blast also punched a potential lethal hole in a wall partition, sending a shower of pulverized brick, plaster, and glass into the Republican cloakroom. The adjacent halls were virtually deserted. So many lives had been spared. Later that, <clears throat> excuse me, later that night, the armed resistance unit called National Public Radio proclaimed, Tonight we bomb the U.S. Capitol. The bombers purposely aimed our attack at the institution of imperialist rule rather than at, direct, at, at individual members of the ruling class in government. We did not choose to kill any of them at this time, but their lives are not sacred, and their hands are stained with the blood of millions. Tonight we bomb the U.S. Capitol, the title of the 2020 book by historian William Rusinow. In... Uh, They point out a headline, in the 1980s, a far-left female-led domestic terrorist group bombed the U.S. Capitol. The Armed Resistance Unit was part of the May 19th communist organization, named for the shared birthdays of Malcolm X and Ho Chi Minh, and dedicated to the violent overthrow of the United States government. According to Rasenau, the May 19th communist organization was the first and only woman-created and women-led terrorist group with leaders including Judy Clark, daughter of high-level Communist Party officials, and Marilyn Buck and Susan Rosenberg. They're sort of an offshoot of the Weather Underground, which essentially cracked up in the mid-1980s, Rosenau explained. 
These women decided to continue the armed struggle. Many of them had been in the weather underground, but they thought the weather underground had made important ideological mistakes. The terrorist group's bombings claimed no victims, but they really at least debated amongst themselves quite intensely the assassination of police officers or prosecutors and military officers. Their inventory of weapons included dynamite, detonation cord, and Uzi machine guns, fully automatic with sawed-off barrels. Marilyn Buck attended UC Berkeley, joined Students for a Democratic Society, later lent her services to the Black Liberation Movement. Susan Rosenberg, daughter of progressive parents, saw herself as part of the struggle against U.S. imperialism. At 29, Rosenberg made the FBI's most wanted list as a suspect in the prison escape of Joanne Chisimard of the BLA, Black Liberation Army. Rosenberg was also wanted for a 1981 Brinks robbery in which two police officers and a guard were killed. In 1984, police caught her with 12 guns, some 200 stolen sticks of dynamite, 200. More than 100 sticks of DuPont Trovex explosives and hundreds of fake ID documents. In 1985, Rosenberg was sentenced to 58 years. But through a plea deal, she escaped additional time for aiding and abetting a series of bombings at the U.S. Capitol, the National War College, and New York Patrolmen's Benevolent Association. After 16 years in prison, the veteran of the May 19th Communist Organization caught a break. On January 20, 2001, his final day in office, President Bill Clinton commuted Rosenberg's sentence. 2011, Rosenberg published an American radical, political prisoner in my own country, and went on to become vice chair of Thousand Currents, fiscal sponsor of Black Lives Matter Global Network. As it happens, Mitt Romney also supports Black Lives Matter. The 2012 presidential loser calls the January 6th riot an insurrection. But like other politicians, he kept rather quiet during the violent, riotous summer of 2020. Anyway... The violence of Antifa and right-wing extremists, explains William Rose now, hardly rises to the level of left-wing political violence of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, as the author wrote in Politico. The 70s and 80s were a time of political derangement and violent upheaval, and May 19th was in the thick of it. And there was also Linda Evans. She also got a get-out-of-jail-free card. She didn't finish serving her time because Bill Clinton freed her, too. So they free these terrorists, (coughs) excuse me, they free these domestic terrorists who were involved in grave violence. Nobody ever talked about impeaching them. Not for that. Eric Holder was all in favor of it. Obama, get out of jail card to the head of the FALN movement, terrorist movement, which resulted in the death of at least one police officer. And his son often calls this program, or has over the years. 
And yet they're going to accuse Donald Trump, and they do, relentlessly, of inciting and leading an insurrection. It is so shameful. And it's the usual voices in the usual corners out there who pretend to be righteous when they're not. They're not in the least. So I wanted to remind you about that. And I also wanted to remind you that Molly Hemingway has an excellent piece in The Federalist. Chuck Schumer used violent rhetoric to sick a mob on two Supreme Court justices. Now, we were very vocal about this at the time. As you know, ethics complaints were filed against Schumer. I don't know whatever happened to them. When Senator Rand Paul spoke against the constitutionality of the Democrats' impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, he reminded his colleagues that Democrat elected officials had recently told their followers to attack Republicans. And you know, poor Rand Paul has been attacked three times, physically. One by the lunatic neighbor. One, after the Republican convention ended on the South Lawn by Black Lives Matter. Then, of course, in the Capitol building. He wasn't personally attacked, but the facility was, so he's got to wonder to himself, gee, what does a senator have to do to be safe? Now, if Trump was to be impeached for asking followers to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard by members of Congress on January 6th, what to do with Democrats' more incendiary rhetoric and actions, wondered Rand Paul. Kamala Harris solicited funds to bail out the rioters who destroyed Minneapolis during 2020 summer of rage. Maxine Waters called on Democrats to seek out Republicans in public places and create a crowd and push back and then let them know they're not welcome anymore anywhere. The Bernie Sanders supporter who killed House Republican, excuse me, who nearly killed House Republican Whip Steve Scalise at a baseball field in Virginia said he was motivated to kill for health care after Sanders and other Democrats had said the Republican health care plan was, was to kill uh, many Americans. Senator Cory Booker told his supporters at one gathering in D.C. to please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in their face of some Congress people. One example Paul left out of his excellent speech is even more relevant to next week's impeachment trial. Less than one year ago, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York led a mob on the steps of the Supreme Court while a case was being heard and tried to thwart the natural uh, deliberation of justices by violently threatening two of them to rule in favor of his or other Democrats' preferred outcome. He said, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, Schumer threatened the two most recently confirmed justices, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. The threat was so alarming that even leftist activists such as Lawrence Tribe condemned it. Schumer received a rare same-day rebuke from Chief Justice John Roberts, who said, Justices know that criticism comes with the territory. But threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they're dangerous. Then-Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell condemned Schumer's remarks as astonishingly reckless and completely irresponsible. 
But Josh Hawley's efforts, Senator Hawley of of Missouri, to censure Schumer for his violent threats were scuttled. They were scuttled. The Washington Post write-up of Schumer's threats focused instead on Republican opposition to them. GOP seizes on Schumer's remarks, read the headline. Schumer's threats came just 17 months after the Supreme Court had been besieged and attacked by abortion activists upset at Kavanaugh's confirmation. Like the January 6th event, the October 2018 siege also involved Vice President Mike Pence being condemned by protesters as he walked down the steps of the U.S. Senate following the vote to confirm Kavanaugh, the crowd greeted him with chants of shame. Across the street, hordes of protesters broke through a police barricade and attempted to beat down the 13-ton bronze door of the court. Protesters included a topless woman with a Hitler mustache and another woman who scaled the contemplation of justice statue in front of the court and sat in her lap to the cheers of other protesters. Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Elena Kagan, who attended Kavanaugh's immediate swearing-in, were hit with water bottles and tomatoes when their car left the court afterward. Some 164 people were arrested in that protest. For all the concern about disruptions to the constitutional processes regarding electoral college votes on January 6th, there was far less concern from corporate media and others on the left when Democrat mobs completely disrupted the constitutional proceedings for confirming a Supreme Court justice in 2018. The Center for Popular Democracy brought 600 protesters to Washington, staging a demonstration in and around the Capitol. On August 1, 2018, following the group's rally, 74 protesters were arrested when they blocked the Senate hallways to prevent Kavanaugh from meeting with senators. Kavanaugh's first day of hearings included 63 interruptions, from Senate Democrats and more than 70 arrests of protesters. The protesters had been flown in by Planned Parenthood Action Fund from across the country. Winnie Wong, a senior advisor to the Women's March, explained their carefully coordinated message. Members going into the hearing room were given a script where we suggest certain messaging that may resonate more. The storytellers travel and accommodations were paid for, as were their legal aid and bail if they were arrested, which was generally the goal. Later in the hearings, the organizers of the protesters, the Women's March and Center for Popular Democracy, were warning activists that being arrested three times might lead to a night in jail. The group raised sums of more than six figures to finance the protest. This is well-organized and scripted, said Wong. This isn't chaos. Protesters also occupied senators' offices, managed to shut down the Capitol building, and trap senators in elevators. All this was done to disrupt the constitutional process for confirming a justice. We were planning to shut down the Capitol building, but the authorities were so scared of the women's wave that they shut it down for us, read a tweet from one activist. Particularly by the standard adopted by the media and Democrats for the second impeachment of Trump, Schumer bears responsibility for the protests and riots at the Supreme Court and in the Senate office buildings, as well as the attempt to destroy the life and family and reputation of Kavanaugh. Within 23 minutes of Kavanaugh's nomination, Schumer said, I will oppose Judge Kavanaugh's nomination with everything I have. His destruction during the Gorsuch confirmation process of the filibuster for Supreme Court justices contributed to the heated rhetoric in the Kavanaugh battle. 
His refusal to treat the nomination as legitimate included a prohibition on Democrats meeting with Kavanaugh. More when I return. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Well, this uh, Congresswoman Green, again, I don't know anything about her. Apparently she's in trouble for things that she has posted and said in the past. Some of which are apparently really sort of stupid stuff, nut job stuff. Okay. Then I think that standard, if that's the standard, should be applied across the board. So if you call federal law enforcement stormtroopers and you're the Speaker of the House, you should be forced to leave that position. If you're the chairwoman of a committee and you went on a a rant over and over again about getting in people's faces and telling people in crowds to go after and hunt down other members of Congress like Maxine Waters, she should be forced to step down. If you're James Clyburn and you're going on and on about stormtroopers, you should be forced to step down. Talib and Omar and AOC and Presley and their anti-Semitic comments, particularly Omar and, uh, and uh, Talib, they should be forced to step down. Let's have one standard for everybody. Let's have one standard for everybody, not just, okay, Carl Rove says this about Green, and Mitch McConnell says, gives a crap. Nobody in this, in this audience cares a, a whit what Carl Rove or Mitch McConnell have to say. What we want is a fair process and fair adjudication. You've got anti-Semites in the Democrat Party. You have Marxists in the Democrat Party. You have people in the Democrat Party who trash law enforcement. Today they're pretending they like law enforcement. And they get away with everything. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Reminder, I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. I want to finish with this excellent 
Molly Hemingway piece in the uh, Federalist, which is an excellent site. And so she describes Schumer, as I've read, word for word, and what he did, and how he rallied the forces to try and shut down the the, uh, the process by which we have the, uh, the seating of uh, justices to the Supreme Court, the advise and consent process, and they were quite violent. And she points out, Schumer didn't trust Senate Judiciary Committee ranking member Dianne Feinstein to handle the political machinations he felt were needed. He organized the barrage of interruptions from other senators that led to the hostility and chaos of the first day of hearings. Senator Christopher Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, later told Politico it was important that we lay down a marker that this is not a normal hearing. Senator Dick Durbin said they wanted to single out the hearing as something unusual. Senator John Cornyn was appalled by the spectacle and decried the mob rule that was disrupting the hearings. Schumer also said Kavanaugh had no presumption of innocence. He believed outrageous conspiracy theories. For instance, when Michael Avenatti's client, Julie Swetnick, can't claimed, with no evidence in support and plenty of evidence in opposition, that Kavanaugh was a serial gang rapist who had roamed the streets of suburban Maryland for his prey, Schumer demanded the allegations be accepted as true and that Kavanaugh's nomination be pulled. Democrats' arguments in favor of Trump's impeachment is that even though he told his protesters to be peaceful, his refusal to accept the 2020 election incited a mob. What to do then when a Senate majority leader, who issued a violent threat against Supreme Court justices after a multi-year campaign to undermine confidence in the Supreme Court confirmation process? What to do with the many senators who brought the mobs into hearing rooms and Senate buildings in order to destroy the confirmation process? What to do with the mobs' many attacks on Kavanaugh and his family? And how to take seriously a Senate that never held Kavanaugh's false accusers to account, never censured the new majority leader for issuing violent threats while a court case was being heard, never held Democrats accountable for assisting the mobs who attempted to shut down the proceedings. Molly Hemingway, this is why she's a star. A brilliant thinker and writer. This is why Molly Hemingway is a star. See, I'm not afraid to hand out stars. She absolutely is. I want to remind you of what Chuck Schumer said on March, in March 2020. His threats against Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. And yes, the violence that followed. Cut six, go. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. What do you make of that, folks? Did he incite an insurrection? What do you make of that? One more time, Mr. Producer, just to underscore the point. Go ahead. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas... Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. 
and they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. President Trump never said anything close to that, did he, Mr. Producer? Nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort. Cory Booker wanted to be President of the United States. July 2018, cut five, go. Before I end, that's my call to action here. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. Get up in the... President of the United States never said that during his speech. Nothing even close to that. Right, Liz Cheney? Right, Adam Kingsinger? Right, Mitch McConnell? Right, Karl Rove? And I'll play this, even though it's painful to the ears. One of the most buffoonish of the members of the House, Maxine Waters, cut for a go. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And that happened. And that happened. She incited people who threatened public officials. Cory Booker, 2018, and that happened. People went to Capitol Hill and they're extremely aggressive. Chuck Schumer, March 2020, threatening Supreme Court justices. Threatening Supreme Court justices. We don't need any moral lectures from these people. No moral lectures whatsoever. I want to remind you of something. When Schumer and the Democrats and Biden, who's not on the sidelines, he's quite active. I don't mean physically and mentally, but he's agreeing to these things. When they want to pack the Supreme Court and most courts, when they want to add more seats in order to appoint more leftists, their goal here, ladies and gentlemen, is an attempt to violate separation of powers. They're proposing in H.R. 1 the federalization of state election laws. State election laws in violation of the United States Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. When they talk about passing a statute to give the District of Columbia statehood, The Constitution is very specific about this. Even Joe Scarborough should be able to read it. It's about a fourth grade level. The national capital is not to be part of any state. Article 1, Section 8. The impeachment trial in the Senate. The Senate has no jurisdiction. Article 1, Section 3. Conviction, removal from office, and disqualification to hold future office. It's that order. So if the president is no longer in office, he can't be removed and he can't be disqualified, regardless of what the Senate thinks. 
These are just some of the unconstitutional acts that the Democrats are trying to press forward with. And they talk about protecting the Constitution of the United States. They have no intention of protecting the Constitution of the United States. They have another proposal. They want to eliminate the Supreme Court decision of Citizens United. That's an attack on the First Amendment, free speech. It's that simple. All Citizens United does is allow advocacy commercials and speech. What are they afraid of? They want to outlaw it. What else do they want to outlaw? The Second Amendment. Second Amendment. It's in the Bill of Rights. They want to use regulations. Regulations and, uh, and executive orders to attack the Second Amendment. It's really quite amazing what's going on here. So it's the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, Article 1, Section 3, Article 1, Section 8, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, separation of powers between the Article 1 and Article 3 powers. I'm writing this down as I go along here. Because there's even more. Don't they take an oath to uphold the Constitution? Are they upholding the Constitution? Is that their intention? I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Our guest at the bottom of the hour is a superstar. He's the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, which is why they hate him on the left and in the media, but that's to be expected. But what a superb leader and statesman. Just outstanding and fearless, absolutely fearless. So damn impressive, quite frankly. So as I sit here during the break, what else have they done? Or are they planning to do the Second Amendment? They want to use regulations and executive orders to destroy it. To destroy it. This is the Bill of Rights. 
Biden's over 40 executive orders and actions violate separation of powers. The president doesn't make substantive law. Article 2 versus Article 1 powers. What else? As I'm sitting here and thinking, Keystone XL Pipeline executive order. What's that have to do with the Constitution, Mark? Well, guess what? Private citizens, and yes, private companies, have property rights. It's called the taking clause. And they took property in violation of the Fifth Amendment. In violation of the Fifth Amendment. Meanwhile, these clowns want you to believe that they're the ones standing for the Constitution. They don't give a damn about the Constitution. Are you kidding me? Well, the Constitution says that on January 6th, we stand here, we count the electors, and we can't say anything. Well, what about your violations and preparing to violate Article 1, Article 3, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, Article 1, Section 8, Article 1, Section 3? What about that? What about the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment? What about separation of powers? All on the table. Isn't that amazing? All on the table. As I sit here and talk to you, I can think of more. Equal protection. Under the Bill of Rights, the Fifth Amendment, and under the Civil War, post-Civil War amendments, the 14th Amendment, equal protection. Every citizen in this country has a right to equal protection. So when Joe Biden signs executive orders that reject equal protection, but that insist decisions be made based on pigmentation, based on faith, based on ancestry, based on genitalia, based on what you do with your genitalia, that violates the 5th and 14th Amendments, the Equal Protection Clauses of the United States Constitution. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, they believe in the Constitution. No incitement there. (coughs) No incitement there. No dictatorship. No mob rule. No, no, no. They're all wearing ties and jackets. They have their hair properly combed. If they're bald, they're getting plugs. All kinds of cool stuff going on in Washington, D.C. Absolutely appalling, Mr. Producer. Do we have any good callers? I'm surprising Mr. Call Screener, Mr. Producer. Well, let's get a really good caller who's on point. Let's see. Who do you have there? XM Satellite, Jason, Jason in the state of Michigan. You're a Michigander. How are you, sir? I'm excellent, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel like um, Republicans, uh, conservatives don't have uh, – we don't have anybody representing us, Mark. And when you look at what they're doing with President Trump, what's going on with Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene, what happened at the Capitol, Republicans simply do not stand shoulder to shoulder and fight for conservatives and fight for Americans that vote Republican. And in my opinion, you were reading a piece where you said that it was a coordinated effort to shut down the Capitol during the uh, Kavanaugh hearings. In my opinion, what happened at the Capitol on the 6th was a coordinated effort by Democrats using Antifa and Black Lives Matter. All right, never mind. How did he get through, Mr. Callscreener? Sometimes people lie to get through. 
Guy has no facts to back that up as much as people wish it were true. None. So we have to dismiss him. Who's next on the uh, call line there, please? The great WABC Thomas on Long Island. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm so thrilled that you brought up the M19 from 1983. I stumbled on the book over the summer. What, I'm sorry, what is the M19? M19 was that group of uh, women. Uh, is that what that, is that what their name was? Yeah, the name was the M19, as you pointed out, the birthday of... um, Oh, May 19th, right. Right. May 19th. That's what they were called, the M19. Well, I found the book, I read it. Some of it was a little disgusting. If you read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But, you know, at that time, I was telling Mr. Producer there, uh, you know... During that period of time, I worked for the news director of a local radio station on Long Island here, and I never saw that in the media. I never saw it on the AP, and I'm wondering why that wasn't big news in 1983. I think it was big news in 1983. I was alive at the time. I was working in the Reagan administration. I think it was big news. It's not big news now because, remember... The world begins with Joe Biden's election and Kamala Harris's election and the phony, fraudulent impeachment of the former president of the United States. So history is not a guide for these people because history teaches lessons that they don't want us to learn. I'll be right back. Mark then. The Thunder on the Right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's a pleasure to have the uh, outstanding governor of Florida on the program, Ron DeSantis. How are you, sir? I'm doing outstanding, Mark. How are you doing? Yes, you are. I'm doing very, very well. Um, Many people are moving to Florida. Let's hope they don't bring some of their voting habits with them out of New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. Just saying. Uh, my family, I and my wife, we're transitioning, may I say, to Florida. Um, now, Governor, why is Florida sort of this place people want to go to to escape these blue states and some of these even harsher red states? Why is that? Are you purposely trying to maintain and create an environment of liberty and prosperity? What is going on in Florida? Well, I think that's right, Mark. I think people, look, we're a very well-governed state. I mean, go before covid We have no state income tax. Our state budget is half of the budget of New York State, and yet our infrastructure is much better. Uh, Our schools perform better. And so people understand that we also have taken on a lot of important issues. When I became governor, uh, I appointed three conservative Supreme Court justices. We banned sanctuary cities. We just did it. We verify last year. So we've done a lot of things. We protect the Second Amendment. So I think people appreciate it. But then I think what happened with COVID was – All these blue states who are already dysfunctional, they compounded the misery by locking down indefinitely. And I think people grew really tired of these lockdowns, and they looked to a state like Florida, which is open. And even though we're open, even though our revenues are coming in much higher than forecasted, even though our unemployment rate is less than the national average – 
we have less per capita COVID mortality than the national average. 25 states have higher per capita COVID mortality than us, including most of these lockdown states. And so people looked, and I think they say, what's happening in our state is not working. Florida, kids are in school. People have a right to work. Businesses have a right to operate. And they're focusing on protecting elderly people, not trying to run their own society into a ground. So I think we already had a lot of momentum. But I think the contrast since COVID is done has been really, really stark. And I'll tell you, I'll run into people who will just say, you know, I was in California or I was in wherever. My kids weren't allowed to go to the school. So we were working remotely. We said, we're going to move to Florida and let our kids go into school. And even people that planned on doing that for a short time, what they end up saying is this is a much better quality of life. And so they end up staying. Now, the next question I always get is, oh, are these going to be, are these people fleeing the blue states? Are they all really liberal? Are they going to change Florida? So from the election uh, in November until January 1st, Miami-Dade County had 2,200 new registered Democrats, but 7,100 mm. new registered Republicans. And so I think I think it is skewing pretty hard hard to 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 us. Um, obviously, I don't have personal control over that. I mean, I think that Florida is a place where people who think more along the lines we do appreciate what we're doing. And so I think you see that in the in the migration pattern. Well, let's talk about big tech. I mean, um, you've done a number of things there that are quite unique and crucially important in terms of rioting and knocking down monuments in your state and so forth. You've strengthened your laws to confront such behavior should that occur. And you're the governor. You're a former congressman. You're looking at this. You're seeing what the big tech is doing. We're hearing now big tech from Project Veritas and all. They're clearly uh, pushing one side of the political agenda they're squelching free speech, not under the First Amendment, <clears throat> but this in many ways is even more evil uh, because the, it's very difficult for the average citizen or average group that gets the scarlet letter or that is censored or that is, that is deplatformed, I guess they call it, for them to do anything. What are you trying to do in Florida? Well, I think what we're trying to do is protect people's individual data privacy, which big tech exploits. We're trying to protect Floridians' right to participate in elections without big tech interfering in those elections. And we're trying to protect uh, Floridians' right uh, to participate in the public square and to have recourse if they're censored or deplatformed. And I'll tell you, one of the things that really scared me, and I think a lot of people, was how the parlor company was treated, because mm -hmm. they were all these different companies acting in concert to effectively shut them down. They got taken off their web server. They weren't able to process uh, payments, send emails, text, all this other stuff. And it was almost like a decapitation, an online decapitation. So I was thinking to myself, man, if I have somebody who's running a small business in Florida, and maybe they went to a Trump rally six months ago, and somebody at Facebook or Twitter, some woke staffer doesn't like that, are they going to be able to just snuff these people out of their platforms and then exert authority to get other platforms to take them down? You could neuter someone's entire livelihood. And I was like, what's the recourse if that happens? And so what we're doing is a couple things. One is, and we got a lot of play on 
saying that if you have somebody that's running for office, you can't deplatform them. Uh, and if you do, you're going to face hefty fines, because I think the fear would be they can put their thumb on the scale down the stretch of an election by taking people off all these different platforms. But I think even more significant, which didn't get as much play, is we're providing private rights of action for individual Floridians uh, to sue big tech under Florida's Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act, basically an anti-fraud statute. We're also empowering the state attorney general to bring actions under the same statute against big tech. And I think that that's important because if they are doing terms of service or they're changing it without notice or they're not applying it equally, that is a way for us to say, wait a minute, you're effectively committing a fraud because you're putting yourself out as being an open forum, but yet you're selectively censoring people whose views you personally don't like, but who haven't violated any any type of terms of service. And so I think that empowers individuals to be able to have recourse. And I think that that will help police some of this because it has really been blatant, I think, when you look at who they go after and who they don't. Obviously, when they did Trump, that was a big deal, sitting president. I looked at it, I'm like, okay, you're banning Trump, but yet you have the Ayatollah Khamenei. He can say, death to Israel, kill the Jews, and you've left that on your platform for years and years. And so it's, it's obviously very selective. But these things, as you mentioned, Mark, it's not a traditional First Amendment analysis because it's not government per se censoring you. It's, it's a private company. But I would also say that these things are almost acting as an arm of the ruling class right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're effectively acting as an arm of Biden's administration. And I think that that's a big problem. And I think it's something unlike we've not necessarily seen before. But to say that just keep going status quo, that everything's going to be all hunky-dory, that clearly was not going to happen. Now, in terms of um, these big tech companies arguing, now, wait a minute, we're protected under this Section 230, and, and we're federal in nature and so forth and so on. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that the federal government has taken up the whole field, that is, the supremacy clause and so forth. States have a lot of leeway, don't you think? No, for sure. And I think what Section 230 would probably mean is that the federal government's protections of them would trump if a state tried to act in that sphere. So, for example, they are treated as platforms and not publishers. And so if somebody puts something that defames you, uh, you can't sue Facebook or Twitter over that because they're considered neutral platforms. Uh, so if we tried to change that and contradict federal law there, then they may have a point. But uh, uh, they have no uh, federal right to commit fraud. They have no federal right to not follow Florida's Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act. They have no federal right to interfere in Florida elections. I mean, Mark, for example, you, you, you got, say you come down to Florida, you're in your house, you invite me over when I'm running for re-election, and you have signs made and all this types of stuff. That would be a contribution to my mm -hmm. campaign, you would have to you would have to declare that as either an in kind or you'd have to uh, we'd have to pay you for what you put out. So how come that would be a contribution if you did something just using your home, but they could actually suffocate a candidate or they can elevate a candidate using these algorithms with a clear intent to put the thumb on the scale. That's not considered an in-kind contribution. Now, if they were publishers, you would say, hey, treat them like a newspaper. Obviously, newspapers have their biases, but they're acting under the color 
of being platforms that have this Section 230 protection. So they can't have their cake and eat it, too. Either they're going to act as publishers and be able to put their thumb on the scale, in which case they would lose that federal protection, or if they have it for Section 230, you can't then go interfering in elections uh, by favoring one candidate over another without that being something that would be counted as a contribution. Mm-hmm. Now, where, where does this stand in your state? You have to go through the legislature, right? We do. So our legislature is going to reconvene uh, for the uh, regular session at the beginning of March. But in my press conference, I had the Speaker of the House and the President of, of the Senate standing with me. So I think that we have Republican majorities in both chambers. So I think you're going to see strong majority support for this. And I'll tell you, Mark, even though this has kind of aroused our side because there are They're targeting conservatives. There are people across the political spectrum who believe that big tech needs to be held accountable. So I'm not even sure it's even going to be a purely partisan issue. We'll see how it goes. So I think that we're going to definitely be able to do something strong. Uh, It's got to go through the legislative process. But the fact that those guys were standing with me uh, shows that there's a lot of interest in the legislature in punching this in the end zone. And you also let's let's circle back to the vaccines and so forth. I noticed uh, this spokesperson for the president of the United States took a shot at Florida. You know, you have half your vaccines sitting there. My understanding was your position was, look, I'm going to prioritize the senior citizens here. This isn't New York or New Jersey. This isn't Michigan or California. We know who dies from this. We know who, who has a, a dire reaction to this virus. Uh, individuals who are elderly and individuals with, with various maladies. And I want to make sure this is a two-shot process. That's what the science says. You've got to get the first shot and the second shot. My understanding is that's what you're doing. Is that correct? Right. And when she said that, Florida was number one in the country of the ten most populous states for per capita doses administered. Uh, we have done more senior citizens than any other state by a country mile. We're reporting well over 1.3 million, but these reports lag, Mark, so we probably are closer to 1.5 because it takes four or five days for all these things to show up uh, in our reports. And so we've done the highest percentage of all of our vaccines administered to senior citizens of any other state, and we've reached almost 30% of all Florida seniors have had at least one shot. We do more first doses a week than we've been getting and obviously that is going to there's going to be a limit to how long we can do that without getting more vaccine but what she was trying to suggest was we got a big dump of the Moderna vaccine that week which was for the second doses that people had had we're now ripping through those second doses but those were previously scheduled doses so you don't just take the second dose and then just give it to people who aren't on schedule so it's not like it was a huge lag but it would be between you know, two to five days, depending on when they're scheduled to come in. This past week, we've seen a big increase in second doses so far, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, big increase in that. And so you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Florida seniors with their second doses since she said that. So I think they're just trying to play politics. I mean, look, they said that they inherited no plan from Operation Warp Speed. That is factually false. I was on multiple calls with other governors with Warp Speed. I personally went up to Washington on multiple occasions, met with Warp Speed, HHS, FDA, you name it. They were engaged in that. By the way, did you bump uh, into Joe Biden on any of those meetings? Uh, No, of course not. But here's the thing. 
they we we all had uh, worked with them. They empowered us to make these decisions, and so that was the right thing to do because Florida. We rejected the CDC's initial recommendation to do young, healthy workers before elderly. I said we're putting seniors first, and so that's how we focused on our general population. And so had it been a federally mandated thing, we'd probably have a million seniors who have gotten a shot, in fact, who would not have gotten a shot mm-hmm. under their, their viewpoint. So I think seniors first is the right way to do it. We're uh, doing uh, a huge number of seniors, and we're going to keep on doing it and, and, and understand when we first did it, they were like, oh, DeSantis isn't following CDC. He's not listening to experts. Um, now a bunch of states have followed what, what we've said because it was the right thing to do. And as you suggested with the data, Mark, the data is very clear. You want to protect the vulnerable people. Once you've protected the vulnerable people, uh, you can obviously give it to other folks, but the hospitalizations, the mortality is going to be very, very low if senior citizens are protected. Well, here's the test. Would you rather be a senior citizen in Florida or in New York? And I suspect you'd rather be a senior citizen in Florida, and that's why they're hightailing out of New York and some of these other northern states and coming down to Florida. Governor DeSantis, I I want to thank you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I think, I think that's why some of the states had to change, because, you know, we have seniors here that have friends in these other states. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, hey, I got my shot. And then these seniors in these other states are saying, I'm not even eligible to get a shot where, you know, in some of these states, in Illinois or what have you. And so that, I think, has led to pressure to open it up to 65 in some of those other states, which, look, better late than never is what I say. All right, my friend. Well done. Keep it up. And the American people are really... Uh... Well, there are many, you know, people who know what's going on in Florida are standing behind you, so take care of yourself. All right. God bless, Mark. Take care. And you, too. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Did I hear that Geraldo said that if Liz Cheney is kicked out from her leadership post in the House among the Republicans, he'll leave the Republican Party? Did I hear that somewhere? I think I heard it on Fox. At least the little birdies telling me that. Well, that would be a disaster, wouldn't it, Mr. Producer? Now, Geraldo and I are friendly. We don't really know each other, but we're friendly. We don't really get into substance on the few times that I've met him. But I don't know what we would do 
in the Republican Party if Geraldo left the Republican Party? I don't know what we would do. Would he become an independent? Would he become a Democrat? I may lose some sleep over this, Mr. Producer. Uh, Not really. Not really. Remember, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I will see you on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. I haven't been there in about three weeks. Why, Mark? Why? Because I don't want to overdo it on TV. I don't want to do it all the time. I've got my own platforms. I'm working on a brand new book. Keeps me busy morning, noon, and night. But here and there, I feel I need to... I need to make an appearance. Not because I need the publicity, but because I feel I need to make a point. And tonight is one of those nights. So I'll see you at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Hannity. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, 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 I'm here. Trust me on this, I am here, ladies and gentlemen. Anthony Fauci, a.k.a. The Fauci been around a long, long time. He's particularly fond of liberals, and they're particularly fond of him. Now, as I've said before, if you're going to be in the same position for 37, 38 years, he's been in Washington half a century, you're pretty damn good at at playing the bureaucracy, aren't you, Mr. Producer? No fresh play. It's like Mitch McConnell. No fresh blood. You're in that job all those years. You're not practicing in the private sector. I mean, you really, in some ways, are doing a disservice to the American people. He's 80 years old. He earns $417,000 a year, and I don't believe that includes bonuses, certainly not his medical and his pension uh, contributions from the American people. The guy is a multimillionaire. His area is infectious diseases, not the economy, not other illnesses. Not the health of the American people generally. It's infectious diseases. And any honest person watching this guy knows that he's been all over the map. But he likes his power. He's a little fella. So he's got this Napoleonic kind of uh, mentality. You know, uh, I can say whatever I want under Biden. Of course you can. He's an idiot. It's an idiot. But there's a montage from our friends at Grabian on the Fauci flip-flops. Now, the media know about this, but they want to protect their their buddy uh, because he's all over the media. I don't know how he even has time to do his job, but then again, maybe he's not. Cut 12, go. 
you're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. The better part of valor is that when you're out and you can't maintain that six-foot distance, to wear some sort of facial covering. A lot of folks uh, are hearing now about double masking, wearing two masks or trying to get one of those N95 medical grade masks. Do you believe that that's advisable and makes a difference? You know, it, it, it likely does because, I mean, this is a physical covering to prevent uh, uh, droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense. If you really want to have an extra little uh, bit of protection, maybe I should put two masks on. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no data that indicates that that is going to make a difference. If a physical barrier with one mask works, it makes common sense that two layers or three layers, and you should have a double layer mask and one mask anyway. But if you want to put an extra mask on, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so confused, Mr. Producer. Masks. We're just talking about masks. Should we wear one? Should we not wear one? Should there be one? Should there be a double one? How do we know if he's lying? How do we know when he's telling the truth? How do we know? And now here's Fauci on social distancing and school closures and T-cell immunity. Hat tip raving. Cut 13. Go. So, Dr. Fauci, it's Saturday morning in America. People are waking up right now with real concerns about this. They want to go to malls and movies, maybe the gym as well. Should we be changing our habits? And if so, how? No, right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. Right now, the risk is still low, but this could change. We have to make sure we don't forget that the most important thing is to keep this six-foot physical distance from individuals. Dr. Fauci, if the, if the most vulnerable, gr- vulnerable group is the elderly right now, we're seeing all of these school closures around the country. Is that the right move for children and families? Well, I think it should be done in a proportionate way. And I think what's going on right now is, is it generally an appropriate approach. As a fundamental principle, I do agree that we should try as best as we possibly can to get the children back to school. Close the bars and keep the schools open is what we really say. Obviously, you don't have one size fits all. But as I said in the past, and as you accurately quoted me, the default position should be to try as best as possible within reason to keep the children in school or to get them back to school. The Swedes came out with a paper and also a paper from NIH grantees from La Jolla just came out in the journal Cell showing the same thing, that in individuals who were infected and recovered, they had T-cell responses, but importantly, there was T-cell reactively also detected in non-exposed individuals, which means that maybe there's some memory from other coronaviruses that are benign cold viruses that you were exposed to that might, and I say might, explain why some people, even children, might be protected that they had exposure that's not measured in antibody, but measured by T-cells. 
There's also the pre-existing immunity of those who have cross-reactivity, which is about a third of the public in many we'll estimates from studies, which would actually get you we to about Here's our numbers. I'd like to talk to you about that also, because there was a study that recently came out that pre-existing immunity to coronaviruses that are common cold do not cross-react with the COVID-19. Do we have our new mumbler, Mr. Producer? Well, tell me if Anthony Fauci doesn't, at least in significant part, sound like this. Go. What are they? Can it get a funny the ghost track? They have an eye. It calls when, if you, they just gave, you gave them. Wait, the, the withdrawal, bringing U.S. home troops from home. And, and, and the, the, the. You know, you know, you know, you, 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 you need somebody. So, uh, what, finally, what? Uh, uh, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Of, 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 un, of, But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a warrior. Um, you know, the, the, that, it was, I mean, they said that, look, the, 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 yeah, the, I was a strip, was it him? Well, I, 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 I didn't, if, 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 if we, if we, you know, it, it, uh, you know, it, it, we can walk and chew gum. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. True international average of pressure. Been impeached for inciting the erection. Donald John Donald John Trump incited the erection insurrection. <laughs> A bevy of Democrats and media types, with one homeless person thrown in for good measure. Did they not sound like Fauci? The montages of Fauci. Well, you know, the masks, uh, no, you know, I mean, maybe you'll feel good, but there's a little spittle here, you know. Well, you know. well maybe you should wear masks. After, yeah, you need to wear masks. It's your patriotic duty. Yeah, you know, science tells us to wear masks. Maybe you should wear two masks, as a matter of fact. Two, if you can wear two masks, that's uh, like, you know, double the pleasure, double the fun. You can wear two masks there and uh, sort of double up. Well, it's not actually compelled or necessary to wear two masks if you choose just to wear one, or maybe you don't want to wear any, but you, at least you, I, I suggest that you wear one. What about social distancing, or what I used to call socialist distancing? Well, yes, uh, you know, six feet, preferably, you know, 20 feet if you could, because, you know, if you sneeze and the wind's blowing, I mean, that damn crap, that can cut all the way across the field there. You don't want it splattering on your on your mask or both your mask. No, no, no. And then you touch it, and then you touch your face. And uh, No, no, no. You don't want to be touching uh, after you wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Maybe wear two masks. A burka. We like burkas here at the uh, infectious disease unit over here at the uh, wherever we are. And uh, uh, yes, yes. Now back to social distancing. You might, you might want to keep this. Just remember, on the holidays, don't go anywhere. The weekends, don't go anywhere. Just remember this. During your work days, work from home. Don't go anywhere. Well, you're on TV everywhere. That's all right. I, I need to get the word out here. I need to be as bumbling and confusing as possible. You know who he reminds me of, Mr. Producer? He really. The comedian, Professor Erwin Corey. Remember how we used to play his, uh, his shtick? 
He reminds me of Professor Erwin Corey. Okay, go. It's customary. We generally have a question period, and there were some questions that were asked me. Here is a question. Professor, why do you wear tennis shoes? Well, that's a two-part question. First, you ask why. Well, why has been plaguing man since time immemorial? Statesmen, philosophers, educators, teachers, scientists have been asking the ultimate why. And in these few moments allocated me, it would be ludicrous on my part, for the sake of brevity, to delve into the ultimate why. Do I wear sneakers? Yes! not only understanding, but as Joachim ben Zakai once said, remember, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> you get my point, Falch? I, think, I actually think he's Professor Erwin Corey. We'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't you miss Kaylee and Sarah and our man Spicer? You get Jen Pasaki. Mark the piece silent. I wish it was. No, but she acts away and she, she comes across as somebody who's utterly unprepared. She doesn't have to worry about being prepared. She works for an idiot and the media will take care of her so she, she doesn't really have difficulty. She's got a problem with Space Force. And I don't know why. I think she'd be the perfect cadet for Space Force. She's a space cadet. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? The reason we have a Space Force, ladies and gentlemen, is because Communist China has satellites in the sky and is developing other weapons to attack us. To knock out our technology so our military doesn't know what's coming or where it's coming from or when it's coming. To knock out our electrical grid. And Jen Psaki think that's funny. Because she's an idiot who works for an idiot. She has no idea what the Space Force is. She thought it was a meeting of Biden space cadets. And maybe it is, but not the Space Force. And so you've heard this. She was asked this question and she mocks it. Because she's a space cadet. Cut 15, go. 
may ask whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. Wow. It's the plane of today. Um, it is an interesting question. See, clearly uh, she doesn't even know what the hell's going on. Listen, if it doesn't have to do with uh, race equity and open borders and attacking Trump, I don't really know what I'm doing up here. I mean, you should see the meetings I'm in with Joe Biden. He literally sits there with his tongue hanging out like a dog on the table. I don't know what to do. The spittle and all that, it's grotesque. And he's got all these liver spots all over his hands and his forehead and his head. And so, and we put as much makeup over it. It's a horrible thing to watch this. You don't have to front for him. I have to front for him. That's why I have to keep circling back, circling back. You should see in the Oval Office. That's all we do, walk in circles. I'm circling back, circling back. And where's Kamala? Kamala's nowhere. She's off on her own. So I have to deal with Joe. Go ahead. I am happy to check with our... Ah, shut up, you idiot. Now she's asked a question today, is Jen Psaki, by Kristen Fisher. Maybe she's going to be a real reporter. We'll see. Kristen Fisher, I believe. Cut 16, go. The top Republican on the House Armed Services Committee is asking you to apologize for some of the comments that you made yesterday in the briefing room about the Space Force. Will you apologize? I did uh, send a tweet last night. You may not all be on Twitter. Maybe they're not on Twitter that said we Oh, isn't that clever. You get that, Mr. Producer? Maybe you've been banned from Twitter. Maybe you got your scarlet letter. Maybe you should behave yourselves, and maybe you should get in line with the rest of us and wear the proper boots. Yes, maybe you should. We can teach you the stepping, and uh, you just, you just, it's like the uh, Rockettes. And maybe you'd be able to go on Twitter and read it. I put my thing up there on Twitter. Yes, I did. Did you see it? I guess you didn't see it. Go ahead of Space Force here to provide an update to all of you on all of the important work they're doing, and we certainly look forward to seeing continued updates from their, uh, from their team. But uh, big picture here, I mean, does the Space Force have the full support of the Biden administration, or is the president at some point perhaps going to try to get rid of it or in some way diminish it? Uh, they absolutely have the full support of the Biden administration. Wow. She asked you about the president, not the amendment. Does he have the full support? He's, he probably said, Space Force? What the hell is that? I think I saw that movie last week. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. The Space Force movie? Oh, yeah, the cartoon characters have gotten much better. You should see those characters. Oy, 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 oy. And then we have John F. Kennedy. John F. Student Kennedy or John F. U. Kennedy. Excuse me, Kerry. John F.U. Kerry. We apologize enormously and immensely to the Kennedy family. John F.U. Kerry. In Iceland. Fox found this, I suppose. In 2019. Keep in mind, John is the Mr. Climate Change guy. With his yachts and his jets. And he puts out more carbon dioxide in one sentence than anybody ever. And it's obvious he's still 
injecting mashed potatoes and applesauce into his forehead. As it droops down over his eyebrows and over his eyes and into his cheeks and into his jaw. Cut 14, go. On that issue, pollution, I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, Is that an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. Uh, I negotiated the Paris Accords uh, for the United States. I've been involved in this fight for years. I negotiated with President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we could get Paris. And uh, I believe the time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing, almost full-time, is working to win the battle. 2019, wasn't he a private citizen, Mr. Producer? Flying all over the world. I'll bet making tax deductions, too. He has carbon offset. What's he offsetting with? I'm, I'm quite serious. These people are such slime balls. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. I'm a little offended by that. Just the English-speaking world? What about the rest of the world, quite frankly? Now, Adam Kingsinger. Is Adam Kingsinger having a nervous or mental breakdown on national TV? He's enjoying his limelight. At the Washington Compost, Politico, the Constipated News Network, MSLSD. He's all over the liberal media where he's welcome. Where he's welcome. So he says, screw off to his constituents. But he's going through some, some kind of crisis here. He's, may I say, a bit unhinged. Adam Kingsinger on CNN yesterday. Cut three, go. And just as a reflection of the times, it makes sense that somebody's going to... By the way, who is that idiot? Is he the idiot of the idiot? You know, it's just a reflection of the times here. Uh, Did he bring a big Q-tip with him, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. 
and just as a reflection of the times, it makes sense that somebody's going to primary you um, from a more, you know, from an extreme part of the fringe. Yes, yes. The only people who would primary Adam Kingsinger would have to be from the extreme part of the fringe, not just the fringe, not not just the extreme part, but the extreme part of the fringe. Is every member of the Cuomo family an idiot? May I ask you that, Mr. Producer? The extreme part of the fringe going to challenge uh, Kingsinger. Not conservatives or Tea Party. No, 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 no. The extreme part of the fringe. No doubt white supremacists, I think, are going to challenge him. No question about that. Go ahead. Uh, maybe anyway. But is there pressure within your own family about what you're doing right now? Is there pressure within your own family about what you're doing right now? Which means Kingsinger told him or heard that there is pressure in his own family. How the hell else would you know to even ask that? But let's see what Kingsinger has to say. I mean, here he is airing out the dirty laundry with his own family. What kind of guy is this? Go ahead. My immediate family is great, but my, my, there are some cousins of my father that sent a certified letter, a handwritten two-page certified letter, said I was in the devil's army among a whole bunch of other stuff. And then they doubled down about a week or two ago with another certified letter uh, reaffirming their belief. And this is the kind of thing I laugh about it because it doesn't bother me. You know, yeah, it I, obviously bothers you. You're on national TV with a relatively small audience, nonetheless, whining about it. Your own family members. Have you ever considered that they may be, may be right and they're trying to do an intervention with you, genius? Maybe you'll leave the Republican Party with Geraldo. What do you think? You think he will? And those Bush appointees who put out a... We're leaving the party. The, the, the cold of Trump. We can't take this anymore. There's the cold of Bush right there. And we can't take this anymore. We're, we, we, we're going to leave the party. Well, go ahead. Who the hell cares? We don't even know who the hell you are. Go ahead, Adam. Doing this job and standing up for stuff for a while, but it's kind of indicative of what's happening in a lot of families, people that ascribe to QAnon or that take, you know, politics. Slow down. QAnon. I didn't even know it was pronounced QAnon. Did you, Mr. Producer? I thought it was QAnon. QAnon is the new word for neo-Nazi, I guess, or Klansmen. So if you stand up to the likes of Kingsinger and his ilk, you must be part of QAnon. Now, in this audience, 99.99% have no idea what the hell QAnon is. I don't. I don't even look to find out who the hell they are. Well, then you must really be part of QAnon. Why? Well, because part of their theory is you don't even know when you're a member. What? That's right. It's like unconscious racism. You're an unconscious QAnon member. Wait a minute. What's all this unconscious stuff? Oh, yes. Yes. You're an unconscious QAnon member. Well, what does that mean? That means that you don't agree with Adam Kingsley. I'll tell you what. I'm doing a lot of reading on critical race theory, Marxism, which I've read, and it just is so depressing. And one of the things they do is they make it impossible for you to even challenge their arguments. You want to know why? Because they dismiss you. You're part of the dominant culture because you're white. Therefore, you have your narrative. It's seared into your brain. You're born with it. It's in your DNA. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. So don't bother even responding to my allegations. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're not big on free speech, notice. Marxists aren't. But look at Kingsinger, same thing. 
You disagree? You must be part of QAnon. What? What the hell are you talking? Oh, yes, yes. QAnon. That's right. Go ahead. And any bond with family. Um, that's what we got to get away from. It's tough to survive that. I don't know what the hell you're rambling on about. I'm doing fine with my family. Are you doing okay with yours, Mr. Producer? So he's got a, a family issue now. The family is very concerned that, that Adam is making an ass out of himself. And yet Adam thinks he's quite righteous. Just ask Adam. He'll tell you. My recommendation to his family members, don't send him any more certified mail. Do you agree, Mr. Producer? He's going to go on TV and read it. Look at my family member here. Pop, what are you doing here sending me a certified letter saying I'm on the, the devil's team? Come on, Pop. Just because I didn't vote for Trump in 2016, didn't vote for him in 2020, voted to impeach him. Come on, come on, Dad. Mom, uncle, whatever. This guy is on an ego trip, but he's on the ego trip on networks that don't matter. MSLSD, the Constipated News Network. I'm sure the write-up in the Washington Compost and Politico are going to do him very, very well in the Republican primary. But he positions himself, you know, as a, uh, as a right-of-center centrist who wants to restore the Republican Party and conservatism. Yes, the good old days of Trent Lott. Yeah, that was good. And Gerald Ford. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we all want to get behind the Mitch McConnell juggernaut train, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, you can. you you, you got to be. Absolutely. And that train's uh, not even as good as the John Cornyn train and the John Thune train. Oh, yeah, those guys, they're leaders. They, they, they got the pulse of the nation. Not really. Notice how they're coming to the defense of Liz Cheney. Now, there's more problems with Liz Cheney than I knew, but I'm seeing them now. She wasn't doing fundraising in any kind of a, an effective way for most of her uh, colleagues, which she's supposed to do, apparently, is the number three leading Republican. Apparently, the other two did, McCarthy and Scalise. She went after... Uh, uh, a congressman who's a libertarian who she didn't like, she primaried him, had somebody she backed to primary him. By the way, Josh Hawley, you're a lawyer, you're a smart lawyer, you're a former attorney general, I believe you went to Harvard or Yale Law School. These ads right now that the Lincoln Project's running against you are defamation, even if you are a public figure. These ads accusing, accusing you of murder, uh, I believe you could still overcome the, uh, the high bar that the Supreme Court has set. Uh, and you could sue them, sue every damn one of them for every penny they have, and conduct discovery. Because what they're accusing you of here is, uh, I believe, in violation of even the uh, New York Times-Sullivan decision. I really do. It's that bad. It's that bad. These are smear merchants. As I saw, they had a pervert on their founding team, didn't they, Mr. Producer? Chasing a 14-year-old boy and at least 21 complaints and so forth. And this guy, Rick Weaver, he's threatening. Hey, there's consequences if you screw with us. Shut up, you, uh, you damn fool. There's a guy that should be wearing masks. Two, three, four of them. Don't you think, Mr. B- a full, 
facial mask. That's what that guy needs. With his three teeth and his cross eyes. And his bizarre ears. But other than that, he's a, he's a good guy. I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is from the, um, it's a great site, if I can remember it, the post-millennial. Representative Ayach has spoken at length about her experience during the Capitol Hill riot on January 6th. From her live Instagram videos, it has seemed like she was on the front line facing down Trump-supporting rioters in the halls outside her office. But it turns out Ocasio-Cortez wasn't in the Capitol at the time of the assault on Congress. She was in her office in another building. Each! Congressional office is in the Cannon House office building. According to her website, her Washington, D.C. address. The House Cannon building is accessible to the Capitol via tunnel. On Tuesday, Each spoke to millions of fans on Instagram relaying her past experience of sexual assault, which she said left her traumatized. This experience, she said, was compounded by her what, what happened to her during the Capitol riot. Representative Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina, said that her office is in the same hallway as Ayach's, two doors down, and that there were no rioters in the area at any time. She called out the New York representative for her egregious claims. Taking emotion out of the equation, it appears that what happened was that Ayach was in her office in a building on Congressional campus at the time the Capitol building was unlawfully accessed by a mob of violent rioters seeking to disrupt Congress. Ayach was afraid in her office in another building and hid in the bathroom. Short time later, as she was still hiding in the bathroom, a Capitol Hill police officer came to her office and checked on her safety directing her where to go to be evacuated from any impending danger. She didn't trust the officer's intention, she said, but complied with his directive, took her handbag, and left her office, along with a member of her staff who similarly did not trust the officer. Didn't trust the officer? What an idiot. Ayach said that the officer was, quote, looking at me with all this anger and hostility, At first, in my brain and in my mind, such as it is, I just came from this super intense experience just now. Maybe I'm reading into this, right? 
Like maybe I'm projecting, maybe I'm projecting something onto him that maybe I'm just sensing anger, but maybe he's not trying to be angry. I'm lucid. But I talked to my legislative director and he said, no, I didn't know if he would help us or hurt us either. And he was actually like, this man came with so much hostility that, um, she said, she said that her staffer was sizing him up to see if he would have to fight him, the cop. She compared this experience to, quote, so many other communities in this country. We don't know if you're safe or not. The officer told her where to go, and she said, we're just so rattled in that moment, and the situation felt so volatile with the officer that I run over, I grab my bag, and we just start running over to that building. In her view, many members of the GOP, both in the Senate and House, are using the same tactics as abusers, and she fears they will do it again. She later said she believed her colleagues in the GOP were white supremacists, who she feared would allow others to do harm to her. Each falsely accused Ted Cruz of trying to get her killed, quote-unquote, that she wouldn't attend President Joe Biden's inauguration because she didn't feel safe around Republicans and has demanded the removal of Republicans in the House and the Senate. Boy, she's not inciting anything. But according to the Republican congresswoman from South Carolina, a freshman, whose office is uh, two offices down, nothing happened to their office building, in the Cannon office building, not a damn thing. Nothing. But don't worry, she can say whatever she wants. Because she's the Confucius of our time, the Aristotle of our time. There's never been anyone smarter or brighter. And don't underestimate her. Don't underestimate her. She's, she's just too smart for the room. Then we have this piece before we go. Don't forget, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, I will be on Fox with Hannity. From our friends at Issues and Insights, one of the great sites also, they give great opinion. Democrats still haven't spent, listen to this, $1 trillion from the previous stimulus bills. $1 trillion, as scored by the Congressional Budget Office, the total cost of stimulus laws enacted over the last year amounts to $3.7 trillion. More than $1 trillion of available budgetary resources remain to be spent. Notable examples... And by the way, all the media know this, but none of them talk about it. SBA's Paycheck Protection Plan, over a quarter of a trillion dollars. Health spending, over a quarter of a trillion dollars. Economic injury disaster loans, $172 billion. Unemployment insurance expansion, $172 billion. Education funding, still there, $59 billion. State and local aid, $58 billion. Stimulus checks, $52 billion. Food stamps, $33 billion. And it goes on. $1 trillion from previous stimulus bills haven't been spent, and they want another $2 trillion. More on that tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I have to hurry up and pretty myself up. In 30 minutes, I'll be on Fox. Oh, yes, I have to pretty myself up. See you then. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.